You know, I've been around a long time. I know how hard this is. From the political science department at UW-Madison. Am I exasperated? Absolutely, I'm exasperated. I'm Adam Wigger. This country's gone through tough times before, and we're going to do it again. And I'm Sam Beisman. This is more work than in my previous life. I thought it would be easier. And this is 1050 Bascom. Today on 1050 Bascom, we are grateful for the opportunity to talk to Heidi Normandin, Director of Legislative Outreach at the La Follette School of Public Affairs. As an alumni of the La Follette School, Heidi's work most recently has focused on two major initiatives, the Wisconsin Family Impact Seminar and Committee Connect, which is a new outreach effort that connects legislative committee chairs with UW-Madison researchers. Both of these efforts use a nonpartisan approach. We'll ask Heidi about these two initiatives and how they help realize the Wisconsin idea in practice. Additionally, Heidi's colleagues tell us that she could write a book on how to effectively work with legislators on both sides of the aisle. We will ask about that unique and important skill as well. Thank you so much for being with us today, Heidi. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. So let's start broadly. And Just talk about your start, if you will, in terms of your background and maybe even originally choosing a major when you were an undergrad at the University of North Dakota, and then after which you're a MA at La Follette here at UW. What was your thinking as a political science and psychology student in terms of like the job market and life after college? Did you know that you wanted to pursue postgraduate work in public policy early on or just kind of Well, interestingly, when I was in high school, I thought I would go to college to be a clinical psychologist. So I remember writing papers in my English composition class, what are you going to be when you grow up? And it was always a clinical psychologist. I just really enjoyed um, helping people, you know, um, just really kind of making the world a better place by helping people have happier lives. Um, So when I went to college, that's what I declared my major. And for the first year and a half, I took psychology classes, but in my sophomore year, I decided I wanted to study abroad. So for the second semester, I went to um, a university in London and I took a class on comparative politics. I don't know what prompted me to do that. There must've been something inside of me that was interested in government. And I thought, why not learn when I'm studying abroad? So I took a class um, comparing Congress and parliament And then from there, I was hooked. I knew that when I returned from that study abroad that I would add poli-sci as my second major. And so I took a lot of research-focused classes for the poli-sci major and the psych class, uh, the psych program. And that's really, I think, what, what kind of drove me to choose public policy. So when I was getting close to graduation, I was pretty sure at that time that I would not go into psychology. Um, There was something about poli-sci, government, you know, really making the world a better place that was really calling me. And I then, um, I think just in the course of taking some of my final year classes was learning about what options were in front of me after I graduated. And this was back in the 90s, and there, there weren't a whole lot of, a lot of opportunities for poli-sci majors, so I knew I'd have to get my master's degree. And public policy just really was attractive to me. I thought of it as a way to help more people live better lives, to help make the world a better place on a bigger scale, whereas psychology is more one-on-one. 
I really saw public policy as a way to really make a big difference. And so I applied to a bunch of schools and I was choosing schools that were really aligned with kind of who I am. I wanted a smaller program. I wanted a program that focused on social policy because that was the area that I was interested in. And it, I applied to four different schools and I got into all four, but I really liked the program at UW-Madison, the, the La Follette School. You know, you just in life, you sometimes just have to go with your gut feeling. And this was before the internet, I didn't visit any of the schools. And so it was the brochures and the conversations with the staff before I even signed on the dotted line. And um, so that's kind of the rest is history. And I, I came to UW-Madison and um, took the courses that were really interesting to me, really dive deep into a lot of statistics and research and program evaluation and welfare policy. And, and that was kind of the beginning of my career where I was um, really intent on doing things that would really make me happy that would use my skills. So I don't regret at all uh, leaving psychology and, and turning more towards poli-sci and later public policy. Yeah, well, with uh, so many Gen Z student listeners, we almost have to ask you to tell our audience what a brochure is. But in, in all seriousness, from there then, after your uh, original time at La Follette, could you share with us then your professional narrative from some of your early career moves and decision to eventually landing in your current role at La Follette? Yes. So the the journey of my career is is i would say a journey and i would i talk with a lot of our students in the la follette school so even though i don't work directly with students in my job i end up talking with a lot of them and there's a lot of worry and anxiety that if you don't get the right job right out of grad school that you're going to be off on the wrong track that you will forever be you know wandering and i am evidence that that's not true i think that every choice you make at every step of the way in your life is leading to something really cool and great. And as long as you kind of focus on things that make you happy and seem like the next best thing to do, that's all you can do. And so my journey after grad school is that uh, the first two jobs out of grad school were exactly what I prepared to do in grad school, which was do program evaluation, do kind of research. So, so a lot of kind of researchy um, work. And I discovered when I, and I did really well in grad school, I, I got A's in those classes. I really thought I was, you know, on the right track. And I got into the quote unquote real world. And my first two jobs where I was doing that were really, they weren't a good fit for me. And I really questioned if I had done the wrong thing. Had, did I go down the wrong track? Because I just was not happy on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that that's really important. I like to share that with people. You, you, you're not going to get everything right at the beginning. You just have to kind of keep going and moving on to the next thing that sounds like it's going to be a better fit for you. And so through that process, the next few years after that, I just tried to find opportunities that would use my skills, but were more interesting to me. And it took a little while to figure that out. But in 2004, so I would say that's six years out of grad school, is when I had uh, first had this job, the job that I'm in right now, I've actually held it twice. So I, I found this job and it really pulled together a lot of things I was interested in. And then that's where I started to settle into building my career and knowing I was on the right track, but it took some time. 
So I've, I've been in this job for a total of 10 years where it works really closely with state legislators. There's a lot of writing involved. It's, um, it involves um, getting to know a lot of policy issues, kind of becoming a mini expert on some of these policy issues. Some of the other work I've done is with a national education policy organization called the Education Commission of the States, where it um, also worked with state policymakers from across the country um, and really helping to connect them to research-based information so that they could make good decisions for their states on education policy. But I guess the lesson I learned in my career is that kind of what you think you might be interested in may not be what you turn out to be interested in, or it may be of interest for only a short while. And then you find that your interests change and that you're developing different skills. And as I look back the 23 years since I received my master's degree, that's that's really kind of something that stands out for me. And so I think that, that it's really just a matter of being persistent and always looking for the thing that would really bring you a lot of happiness in your career. We'd love to talk to you about some of the work that you've done in La Follette now, but before we get into some of those details, we're hoping that you could tell us about the Wisconsin idea. And for our listeners who may or may not have heard about the Wisconsin idea, would you be able to tell us a little bit about what the broader goals of La Follette are and how it brings alive the Wisconsin idea in practice? I'd be happy to. The Wisconsin idea is this really neat thing that UW does that no other university does. So if you're listening to this, you're probably a UW student or maybe faculty or staff, but all universities, they all teach students. Most universities, and, and in many universities, the, the professors also do research. And in many universities, they also do something called outreach or service. And Wisconsin knocks it out of the park when it comes to that outreach and service component. Um, since the early 1900s, we have focused on sharing the research that is conducted here on campus with, with businesses, policymakers, and individuals and families around the states, state so that they um, you know, to so that they can benefit from the knowledge that we're producing here. And so the Wisconsin idea is just a name for the special way that we do that here at UW. It is nationally known. And it, um, it, what it really means is that professors and students on campus, as well as staff, we really have this mission that what we're learning here on campus, we should be sharing with with people around the state so that their lives can be improved. And so we do, we, it's just a, a fabulous um, outreach. We just do a fabulous job on outreach. And so, and so the La Follette School of Public Affairs, I mean, as a school of public affairs, our goal really is to improve policy decisions. So we do that by doing very practical research and then sharing that with policymakers as well as the public, because the public in turn, if they are more informed about policy issues, you know, in turn, then they can share that with their elected officials and with their government leaders, and they can participate in, in civic conversations on a higher level because they're more informed. And so the, the La Falle School of Public Affairs, what we really do is we help um, equip the, um, the public and policymakers with research-based information so that they, that they can make better decisions. Um, 
So the two programs that I lead, well, there's actually three, but the, the programs that I lead are really just a direct example of how we do that. They're very specific examples of how we are doing that and sharing sharing information. So, Yeah, let's dive right into one of them, the Wisconsin Family Impact Seminar. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of it, the goals in the past, what it has meant for legislators to come and see you in person? The Wisconsin Family Impact Seminars are actually part of a national network of family impact seminars. So way back in the 1970s, for Congress, so you've got to think of the 1970s, there's no internet, there, you know, you you had, and there weren't a lot of think tanks, and so it's a very different world than we have today. So elected officials and people in government, leaders in government, they didn't have access to as much information that we do at our fingertips. So the family impact seminars were started at the federal level. They were nonpartisan events that were held for congressional staff, uh, federal agency leaders, and other um, kind of researchers who were working on specific areas. And they would focus on um, kind of the general field of family policy. So it might be teen pregnancy or juvenile justice and things like that. And this was really a way for these elected officials and government leaders to get really good information that they could use to create better legislation, to create better agency rules, to learn how to um, disseminate programs and make sure that these, these programs were being implemented in the correct way by states and by cities. Um, and then back in, so, so they were, did that. And so in the 1990s, um, kind of another, movement in federal government is that the federal government had kind of been taking control of policies, you know, through the the 1990s, but in the 1990s, there was kind of a trend that states started getting really involved in being innovative and doing some creative things. And if you, if you kind of, if you look at just what we're, what kind of environment we have now, you know, states are doing all of these different things that's in the news every day, but but back then, it wasn't really a thing that states were kind of doing their own thing and developing policies and kind of leading the way and doing cutting edge things. In the 1990s, states started to kind of do that. And Wisconsin was one of the states um, because of the Wisconsin idea. We were a very innovative state that wanted to be the first to try new things. Um, so along with that, these family impact seminars were then um, transferred to states and individual states started doing this program for their state legislators and state agency leaders. And Wisconsin was one of the first in the, in the early 1990s. Um, so, so the Wisconsin Family Impact Seminars, the bottom line is that our goal is, we have three goals. It's to, to kind of elevate the use of research in policymaking. We know the policy decisions, Lots of different things go into how somebody makes a policy decision. What we are saying is that research, scientific research, academic research has a role, has something to say about how policies can be shaped. So first and foremost, that's kind of one of our goals. But also we think that um, policies are best developed and enacted when they take into consideration families. A lot of policies you develop because you think that they're affecting individuals, but really everybody's part of a family and that's just generically defined. And so the family impact seminars are saying, hey, families are affected when you are passing legislation. 
So, you know, take you, you take families into consideration. And then the, the third goal of the Family Impact Seminars is to provide kind of neutral, um, nonpartisan opportunities for legislators to have a dialogue and, and off the record. But like for a practical matter, the Family Impact Seminars, they are seminars that are held once a year on a road on different topics each year, different topics like juvenile justice, homelessness, foster care. And what makes us unique, um, maybe on campus and maybe around the country, is that we actually listen to what legislators want to learn about. We don't go in there with a, um, an agenda and say, this is the topic that we want to present to you on. You tell us. And so we meet with um, 10 or 12 different legislators each summer and ask them what's coming up on your agenda, what's going to be a priority in January, and then we develop a program around that. So one of the exciting things about my job is that I get to learn about a different policy area every year, kind of like you all work at different class, you know, you have different classes and you get different group projects or individual projects. And sometimes you don't have a say into what you look into or kind of what your, your focus will be. Um, and you get to learn about these things that you might not ever dive deep into. And that's one of the things that I love about my job is I've learned about all of these topics over the years. What was this year's topic? And do you have any idea or I'm sure you have maybe your ear to the ground on what maybe next year's topic might be or what some legislators might be thinking they want to focus on? Yes, good question. So the the topic for this year, which was held, the seminar was held in January and all of our materials are on our website. So if anybody wants to kind of check out how we do things and to watch videos from the seminar, you can go to wisfamilyimpact.org. So the topic this year, which was held, our seminar was held in January, was um, the health of Wisconsin families. And it wasn't focused on like the, the medical care that people get and how that influences their health. It was actually all of the non-medical things that affect people's health, like their income or the type of home that they live in. It doesn't have lead pipes. Um, it was also, uh, you know, access to green spaces. Um, and then also importantly, one of the things we looked at was how race and racism affects people's health. So it was a really wonderful seminar. I encourage everybody to check it out if they can. Um, but when we're thinking about talking with our, our legislative advisors this year, we think that some of the topics, so we're getting ready to talk with them in May and June, but we think that there will be quite a few COVID related um, topics that they'll be interested in. I think they'll be interested in like how to get the economy running again, how to retrain workers who maybe lost their job. So how to, to retrain them for jobs that do exist. Um, Childcare, because a big part of getting the economy running again is getting people back to work. But if they don't have childcare, um, that can be a challenge that so there's no childcare providers. So those are a few of the issues we think um, mental health might be an issue as well. So, but, you know, you sometimes don't know until you walk in and talk with, with, with them. I'm sure, especially some of the legislators here in Wisconsin are probably just going to come out of left field with some different topics. Yeah. 
So we can move on to Campus Connect, previously known as the Committee Connect, a new outreach effort that connects legislative committee chairs with UW-Madison researchers. On your website, Campus Connect is described as aiming to provide an easy single point of contact for legislators and their staff to access the vast experience on our campus and inform decision-making. So that all sounds great, um, but what does that mean in practice? Right, right. So one of our goals at the La Follette School is to help elected officials and the public and government leaders use the latest research in their decision making and public policy making. But it can be hard for legislators in particular, any, any elected official. They have so many things on their plate. They are looking at dozens of topics in any given week that they either have to vote on form, form a, you know, stake a position on, or just even learn about. And what often happens if you've worked in a legislative office or worked, worked for an elected official is that they often will rely on their own experience with that topic or that issue. They might, um, you know, talk with a few constituents. They might have lobbying groups who come in. They might look for information on, like they might ask their staff to look for information online. But what can be hard for them to have access to is what is the latest scientific research on the topic? Because that can provide so much information to make better policies. So Campus Connect was really designed to fill that gap, to make it easy for legislators and their staff to learn about the latest research on whatever topic they're working on, whatever issue, whether it's water quality, um, foster care, small business development, um, pollinate, pollinators, uh, dairy farming, uh, early uh, you know, child maltreatment. You know, research has a lot to say. There's a lot of things going on on campus that can be really helpful to policymaking. So Campus Connect almost serves as like a concierge. We meet with individual legislators and their staff we, we tell them about Campus Connect and say, hey, we want to offer you this service. We want to make it easy for you to connect with somebody and have a conversation. And then we, we'll kind of listen to what they're working on. And then we find somebody on campus, a professor or a researcher, who knows about the issue that that legislative office is working on. And we just make an introduction. And our goal is to just facilitate conversations and you know, these legislative offices will set up meetings with probably some of your professors. Um, I know in political science, we've made quite a few, quite a few matches. So for example, Professor Bur uh, Barry Burden, he is our election go-to guy. So he has met with quite a few legislators to talk about like, what are the challenges with running elections or what are some things you wanna consider when you are um, drafting legislation about campaigns and he just has a lot of good things to say about those topics. And so Campus Connect is really just a kind of, I almost call it like a concierge service or like if, you, if you're on to, into dating at all, it's like the match.com of the university where we, we match up legislative offices with uh, professors and researchers. And that's kind of just one more way that we, um, we are really trying to promote and encourage the use of research in public policymaking. Absolutely. Um, do you happen to have any projects coming down the pike that you'd like to highlight? 
So for Campus Connect, we right now have only one and a half staff people working on it, and we would love to offer it to the entire legislature. So right now we're only able to offer that service to about three quarters of the legislature. Um, since we, we started the program in 2015 and we've learned a whole lot about kind of what legislators are interested in, how they wanna take advantage of the program. I think it's like anything, when you start something out, you don't know how it's really gonna turn out until you actually start doing it and you learn from that. So we've kind of learned a lot over the years um, and we've learned that they're really interested in having these connections. They just sometimes don't remember that at the other end of State Street, there are all of these resources available to them, all of this, this research-based information that they could have at their fingertips to help them decide how to vote on bills and develop legislation. And so I think what's coming down the pike for us is that we wanna grow the program so that we can offer it to every legislator every single year. So that, that is something that we're working on. And working on a project like Campus Connect, you know, you, you're going to be half to able to talk to politicians from both sides of the aisle, especially in a purple state like Wisconsin. And we've heard from your colleagues that you're an expert at doing this and working effectively with legislators, regardless of their political opinions or ideology ideological standings. What's your secret? Like I can barely get through a dinner with my parents before like breaking down into some political argument. Like how, what is your strategy? How have you, like, how do you do it in a policy environment that's become so polarized? I think it, I sort of stumbled into this line of work. My first job out of grad school was at the Wisconsin Legislative Audit Bureau, which is one of the legislative service agencies. It is strictly nonpartisan and they train you when you begin the job. You can't have yard signs, you can't sign petitions, you can't have bumper stickers, you can't, um, you have to maintain a reputation as being a nonpartisan impartial person because your work uh, in order to be effective in your job you need to be trusted as a good source of information for both sides of the aisle and I think I had always so part of the answer to this question is that I think I've already always sort of been that way where I've been able to be dispassionate about politics I definitely have very strong convictions about what I think the right policies should be so don't get me wrong about that I, I certainly like we all walk around and we grumble inside and we roll our eyes and we wonder like what is that person thinking saying that and I think I'm just able to put that aside and for me the bigger picture is there are lots of people in the world who are in the advocacy realm where they are trying to persuade the public or policymakers to think a certain way, to vote a certain way. And I believe just as important as that role is the role that I am playing, which is the nonpartisan, dispassionate provider of research-based information, handing that over to legislators, to elected officials, to government leaders, and trusting in the process of democracy and trusting in them to use the information that is best for them at that time. So I think that there are two paths that as you are looking to graduate, you don't know that those two paths are in front of you, but those two paths really are, do I wanna play the advocate role where I want to persuade and I want to 
make known my views and try to get that legislation or an ordinance or uh, anything passed? Or do I want to play a different role where I believe so strongly in the power of research to inform the debate and elevate the debate over time? You know, that's kind of the, the path that's in front of you. And so I just chose that nonpartisan path. Um, and it kind of suits my personality. So I think you kind of have to have a <clears throat> personality for that. If you're a real fiery, <clears throat> excuse me, a real fiery person who loves to really kind of win, this may not be the path for you. But if you're someone who can kind of sit back and look at both sides, it might be really rewarding to deliberately take this kind of nonpartisan path. Um, but, you know, there are challenging situations and there are conversations where you really, really wish that you could express your views or really, really this really excellent research that's been done on poverty, for example. And you just know that if there was more money invested in this program or this policy that we could prevent so many societal problems. You know, you just you just kind of have to take that longer view and say, no, I have decided to to stay in this lane because this is a really important role that society needs and I believe in it believe in it wholeheartedly so and while we're kind of on this subject of you know pulling back the curtain and talking about like how these policy discussions look behind the scenes between legislatures what might surprise us, the uninitiated public, about how like these policy discussions and initiatives you work on look behind the scenes? Like, is there anything that we might not expect that kind of goes on out of the purview of the public eye? Yeah, so that's a good question. When I think of the conversations I've had with my friends and other colleagues over the years, I, I think people are really surprised to learn that um, so most of my work has been with elected officials, especially legislators. So a lot of the conversations are around legislators. And I, I can't tell you how many times people are so surprised when I tell them they're just regular people. They, they're normal people. They're really approachable. They are farmers. You know, they are lawyers. They are teachers. They are insurance adjusters. You know, they are regular people. And I am just so inspired by them because they have raised their hand and said, I want to, you know, be a public servant. I want to do a job. And I'm kind of talking a little bit about, mostly about legislators here, but kind of any elected official. I want to do a job that's going to give me low pay, that's going to take me away from my family, where I will be criticized for my past decisions, even when I was 12, where I will be lied about, where I will go undergo so much stress um, and it's really hard on their bodies. And they just say, I believe so much in this one issue or this range of issues that I think I can make a difference and I wanna make my viewpoints known. I think that, I think people are surprised that they just, on both sides of the aisle, I just have so much respect for what they are doing as public servants. It's, it's a thankless job for the most part, and they get very little respect sometimes. The other thing, besides being kind of regular people, is that they are really open to learning from anyone. 
So if you are really interested in sharing your perspective, you should go to your elected official, you know, who represents your district, whether it's someone from the assembly or the Senate or both, they want to hear what their constituents, they truly want to hear what their what's on their constituents' minds. So, you know, if you think you're just a student with, you know, not much to say, that nothing could be farther from the truth. They listen to their constituents. And I think people forget that, especially if you're younger. Um, and then the other surprising thing is that they really do grapple with these decisions. You know, you hear the sound bites of the position they've staked on an issue. But in my experience, you know, they really do think about the bigger picture, the long term. They're not just all about short term game. We joke about, you know, politicians only care about the next year and then they want to get elected again. I mean, that's some true on some level, but they really do want to, they do think about the long game. So I, I, I think the bottom line is that they are real people who are really trying to, to do their best to make a difference and create, you know, policies that they think are the best for their district and for the state. That's really great. And I think really important insight for us and all of the listeners to have as well. We want to ask, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you think we should? Or do you have anything on your mind you think our listeners should know? I would say, so I have a younger sister who's who's much, much younger than I am. And then I, I interact with a lot of the students, the master's students at the La Follette School. And I just really sense a lot of anxiety about graduation and just putting a lot of pressure on yourself to get everything right at the beginning, to get the perfect first job, because if you don't, then you're doomed forever, or make the right decision for the right grad school or the grad program that you think is the best. And if you don't get it right, oh my God, nothing is gonna work out. It's so not true. I mean, you cannot predict the future. You will, you are going to weave together your interests, the things that you have studied, the programs that you've gone to, whether it's grad school or you know, if you finish up at UW-Madison and you decide not to go to grad school, you're gonna to weave together all of these personal experiences, this education you received, the jobs you've held, the things you're interested in, the magazines you read, the things you do in your free time. As life goes on, you're going to just braid those together and you're going to create something amazing. You cannot, you cannot get it wrong at the beginning. I thought I was doomed. I quit my very first job out of grad school within six months. And you just did not do that in this agency because the expectation was that you would stay for two years, but my soul was just not happy. And it took me a while to figure things out. And I just wish somebody had told me, oh, don't worry, nobody gets it right at the beginning. It just takes a while. And so if you feel stressed right now, you know, maybe relax and don't put so much pressure on yourself and focus on finding the thing that interests you the most right now and constantly be focused on how can I do something that really makes me happy, that's using my skills, and that's just going to change throughout your life. You know, if what you're interested in and what your skills you want to develop, that's just going to change. And so 
I would just say, try to drop some of the worry and just enjoy each, you know, each step of the, of the way. Um, we have a final, perhaps very important question to ask you. It's been a long and at times very dark and stressful year in global politics. So we're asking all of our guests right now, what makes you hopeful? Oh gosh, lots of things. As I mentioned before, I have a lot of trust and optimism and hope for our elected officials. I've tried not to put myself into this polarized camp. So like I mentioned, I have a particular viewpoint on how I think the world should work and policies we should have, but I have a lot of trust in democracy and in uh, elected officials. And I just think overall, we're going to get it right, but we're in a really, it, it's a time of, of facing a lot of things that as a society we needed to face. And it is so much at one time that we are all doing our best to even realize we're like in a big sandstorm and we are all trying to get oriented. We are kind of in the bottom of this pit of change and we will emerge even better. So I'm just really hopeful that within a few years, we're just going to be emerging from this dark place better and stronger, having learned a whole lot and so I think it's a really exciting time to be in, in policy, to be in political science, because in the next few years, we're just gonna see so many changes in policy decisions, in elections, in civic engagement, how people are engaged with democracy, that you are witnessing history. And uh, the human spirit is, it's uncrushable the good in people will overcome any really difficult things that we're going through. So I think it's really exciting. That is the best way we could end this. Thank you so much for joining us today, Heidi. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. For more information about 1050 Bascom, visit polisci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. 1050 Bascom is edited by Adam Wigger and Sam Beisman, produced by Amy Gangle, and recorded remotely for now.